Hi, everyone. Chuck Adica here for a Healthier Michigan podcast. For the next few episodes, we'll be bringing you conversations from the Mackinac Policy Conference. This year, the conference is exploring three pillars for reimagining a healthy Michigan. We thought it would be a great opportunity to talk to attendees about the hurdles they've overcome the past 18 months and what they're doing to positively impact the health of Michiganders. We hope you enjoy these bonus episodes. Today we'll be talking with President of Gleaners Community Food Bank, Jerry Brisson, Vice President and University Spokesperson of Michigan State University, Emily Garant, Chief Executive Officer of Detroit Parent Network, Jametta Lilly, Host of Detroit Today on WDET, Stephen Henderson, and Owner of Lawand Consultancy, Tom Lawand. First up is President of Gleaners Community Food Bank, Jerry Brisson. It is always good to see you. My pleasure, Chuck, and great to see you again. You look fantastic. I don't know how you do it. It's the vitamins, I guess. I, I don't, yeah. All right, we'll count it there. See, I, although the Grand Hotel coffee is kind of like rocket fuel. I, all right, there I, we go. I think that may be helping me. <laughs> so you're doing well? Doing well. You know what? I'm, I'm really proud of my team. We're continuing to move through the various stages of the pandemic and and the different things going on in the community and really just trying to, you know, stay on top of it. But I'll tell you, it was pretty exhausting. And I cared a lot for what my team was going through. We had to double the size of our staff in two weeks at the beginning of the pandemic. And of course, you know, you think about, well, what does that mean? What does that mean to your culture? What does it mean about, you know, people coming and really even understanding what this is about? A lot of change, a lot of change. But so many people stepped up. I mean, the partners that agreed to do food distributions on literally a moment's notice in the middle of, you know, nobody even knew what COVID was going to mean. Yeah. Right. It was just a really intense time, but we figured out how to do the contactless food distributions and the families felt cared for and, and they really appreciated that they didn't have to worry. They could just stay in their car. And I mean... Ah, what do we get 90 new ones going within two weeks of when schools closed so you know it was you know now as we look back there's a lot to feel proud of but we're kind of getting over the hump of all the changes and feeling a little bit more like a team and feeling a little bit more like okay you know it's it's gleaners again and and yeah. not this you know frantic rush all the time but you talk about something unpacked for us so COVID hits and you you now have to double your staff because of the need oh. was there increased need and now distribution change explain that yeah so every summer when school is out we always see an increase in need because kids get so many meals at school and so when the schools closed that immediately created a huge surge. Now, what else happened? The grocery stores were insane. The food mm-hmm. supply chain was crazy. Yeah. Even if you wanted to pay for food, things were running out. People were very afraid. And so not only were people in need just because of schools and other things, unemployment already starting almost yeah. immediately, but they were, I would say, even on the verge of panic that they wouldn't be able to get any food. I mean, if you can't get food in the grocery store, how can you depend on any other system? Yeah. But that's not how it worked. We were able to get food. We, you know, we've been working at this obviously for more than a generation. We have a lot of partners and food suppliers and they started working with us right away and we were able to get food even sometimes that the grocery store couldn't get. So, you know, the community needed it. They came out for it and we were there. And as far as numbers go, we doubled, like we normally do three and a half 
to 4 million pounds of food in a month. I know that's an unthinkable number, but... It is, really. Wow. trying to put things in context, yeah. within a month of the pandemic, we were running up to 7, 7.5 million pounds a month, right? So the need spiked pretty much immediately. And I would say all those reasons that I just mentioned are why. And Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, I know, had a role in very different ways. I mean, I heard about the program with milk, but explain the impact with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Well, there's just a couple things that are really important. The first one is we did not know at the beginning how much people were going to step up on the financial side and on the support Mm. side. We just didn't know. We lost all our volunteers. We use 50,000 volunteers a year. We lost them all in a day. Wow. You know, everyone had to stay home, right? It was pretty crazy. So on top of that, we had this huge spike in need, and we just didn't know what was going to happen. Blue Cross reached out to us, and they called us on the phone and said, you know, we know you guys have to be going crazy over there. What can we do? And so we put a program together that helped us get nutritious food to kids, particularly milk, because not only is it one of the most requested things, But it's something that really kids, more than anyone Mm -hmm. probably, appreciate, right? They put it on their cereal. They like to drink milk. I mean, did you drink milk as a kid? Of course. Absolutely. We all did, right? And so getting that fresh milk out with every distribution is what Blue Cross helped us do. And that, you know, when you start to break things down, nothing happens in one big block. Everything has to be broken down into chunks. So Blue Cross calling us saved us you know who do we call even but you know just stepping up right away gave everybody more confidence that this is going to be okay so when i was talking to my board and thinking about all the things we got to do to approve all these new expenditures those kinds of gifts early on that helped us meet that immediate surge were critically important so as you see the world we're in today i mean here we are at a conference you know we're still able to wear masks but we're able to wear a band that says are you easy on shaking hands or a hug or a fist bump the world has shifted we're adapting how are you adapting now with gleaners to the newer reality as we hope we're coming out of this pandemic well it's a mixed bag i would say there's still a lot of people who aren't totally confident in the vaccines even though my staff mm. is 80 percent vaccinated mm-hmm. there's still people that are nervous about it there's people who are who have immunity issues that make a vaccine more risky for yeah. them there's people with kids who are too young to get vaccinated and and other things that make us still very very conscientious about what are we going to do in our work environment we want every staff person to feel like coming to gleaners is a good place to come. We don't want them to be nervous about it. We you know, we really want to care for them. On the other end of the spectrum, you have people who are frustrated as all get out that they're still having to wear a mask yeah. and still having to deal with this. So from a human resources perspective, it's all about how do we care for the whole team. And I'd say that's a big deal right now, even with the pandemic changing. There's been a significant amount of government help. So we have seen a decrease from pandemic peaks in terms of the number of people getting help. Mm-hmm. But we're still running at about four and a half to five million pounds a month, which is more than what we were yeah. pre-pandemic. So there's still issues out there. There's still people coming for help. And I would say, you know, on balance, we're doing okay. But we think we're going to be in this for a while. And someone who may be listening right now, give us just a couple, three ways somebody could help right now. Who's yeah, listening. you know, we are looking for volunteers like crazy okay. again, right? We got to rebuild that. There's still some employers that haven't come back to work. So our website is the initials for Gleaners Community Food Bank. That's gcfb.org. But you can just Google Gleaners and you'll find us okay. right away. 
get to the website. There's a page for volunteers. If you can volunteer, that would be awesome. The second thing I would say is we're still going to need some financial help. And on our website, you have the opportunity to do that. We have matching campaigns from generous donors that go mm-hmm. pretty much from now through the end of the year. So whenever's a good time for you, I mean, every dollar with the match is six meals for a hungry kid. I mean, and these kids are still needing help. So, you know, that's what I would say are the two easiest things. But if there's something creative you have in mind, we're always ready to listen, right? I mean, you know, we don't have all the best ideas, just a few. And in my years of seeing you, it seemed like it was typically near holidays, but the need is 24-7 all year long. So getting involved now is still great. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you, Jerry. I'm glad you're well. And thanks for all you and Gleaners do for us. Well, and thanks, Chuck. And again, thanks to Blue Cross for how they've really helped and continue to help us as we get through this. Take good care. YouTube. Next up is Vice President and University Spokesperson of Michigan State University, Emily Garant. Well, good to see you. And look at the light that's on you right now. Thank you. It's like we Thank brought in you. special lighting. It's great to see the sun and see people. I know. I mean, where in the state is it more beautiful when the sun is out and you have yeah. blue skies than Mackinac Island? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a chance to drop by and say hi to us because there's so much that's been going on as we're coming through and we hope out of the pandemic and the onset of this, we had so much that we heard about whether we have college age students or not about what was going on on campuses and how quickly MSU had to react to all that happened, right? That everyone had to react, yeah. absolutely. We were the first university in March of 2020 that went fully remote, but I say first within hours or days of all of the other universities. I mean, once those first couple of cases started getting confirmed mm-hmm. in the state, I think any large institution or organization that had a congregate of tens of thousands of people closely together had to evaluate and say, okay, what are we going to do? And how did you see that manifest early on with students in particular in COVID? Not that they had it, but how did that Mm -hmm. start? Well, you know, interestingly enough, we were really starting to deal with COVID in December of 2019. You were. For our international students, because so many of our Chinese or Japanese or Korean families were dealing with this in their home communities. Okay. And our students who were on campus with us were feeling the mental stress of of there's this virus, there's this pandemic happening back home. I'm worried, I can't travel. There were travel restrictions that were happening. But I don't think we understood necessarily how much it was gonna impact us directly so quickly. You know, it was kind of this thing we were dealing with from afar. And throughout February, as they started picking up traction, I mean, March happened really quick. Yes, really quick. Right, right. We had a son who presented a paper in London, went through Boston to come home. And we're convinced he had it, but this was in January of 2020. And there wasn't even a name, right? So that was a little different than I'm worried about someone where we know something's happening. He actually came back and maybe had it, but nobody knew what to call it. No, or how prevalent it could have been. I think we all look back at, my husband and I went to a large concert in February of 2020, and we were like, man, we were around hundreds of thousands of people like two weeks before a state shutdown. So somebody probably had it. We went on a cruise (laughs) at the end of January, early February. Yeah. And it was just, well, it's just okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want everything to be just okay, and it kind of feels that way with what the Chamber's been able to accomplish. But talk about how MSU has been adapting now, and it must be step by step as things change, and then they go back, and then what's happening? Well, just to step backwards, last year we were preparing for fully in-person classes at the start of what would have been the fall 2020 academic year. Yeah. 
But in August, we made a decision to change to remote classes. We felt at the time we weren't set up structurally to really adequately prepare for an outbreak that might happen in our residence halls. Mm -hmm. We were still investigating the classroom settings. Can we do this safe? Can we not? We had faculty who were nervous. We had students who were nervous. And so we made a decision to be primarily remote for the last academic year. We still had, in a normal year, have about 15,000 students who live in our residence hall. We still had about 3,000 students that we allowed to live there, international students who were here in the country. We have students who, MSU is their home. They actually don't have anywhere else to live or be. And we were not going to ask them to leave, so they still live. So we had some extenuating situations. So 3,000 was a very manageable number to be spread out enough on our campus. And then in the community, in the greater East Lansing area, it was really hard to know how many students moved back. Traditionally, we'd probably have about 20 to 30,000 living in the community in off-campus apartments Mm -hmm. and housing. We never really were able to get a perfect number on that. But I'd say a majority of them still moved to East Lansing and did their classes remotely, you know, from their apartments and their houses. What we learned throughout the year is that we were able to do it. It worked. We were able to keep spread, you know, low. But students really want that in-person experience. And I think as all of the community has figured out to adapt to what can be done remote, what really should be in person, and we were able to continue working on our protocols, we started this year much more confidently Mm. and able, we're about 75 to 80% in person for our classes. There's still a fraction that's online. Some of them were always online, but we have transition some of our larger lecture hall situations to be online or some classes are just more hybrid you might meet in person 10 times throughout the semester and then supplement around that with mm-hmm. online classes but we have brought back um, close to 15,000 in our residence halls and we are monitoring that very closely we have wastewater testing that we do at Michigan State okay we also have our early detection program which is the Spartan spit test where you are you know spitting once a week <laughs> into a tube that can be tested, and we have mandatory vaccines. And what would wastewater, what signal does that send? That something's happening that you wouldn't have detected otherwise? Correct. Michigan State actually was one of the first universities, and we just announced this week as part of a national consortium of universities leading wastewater research testing. Okay. But they can test the wastewater around a residence hall or maybe like a neighborhood within East Lansing, you know, community sewer system. They can test that, and they often can see the traces of the virus before the cases themselves pop up. Because like we were just talking about, people sometimes don't know they have it. Right. But if it's in their body and it goes through their body, it can show up in the sewer systems before you might have symptoms yourself and you go get tested and then you're told that you you have it. So it's another way for us to monitor. Well, it seems like a strange thing to discuss, having been the parent of five kids that went to college, there's a level of... Um, safety and security and knowledge that I think is empowering to a parent and the student, right? And the staff. Yes, I would say we've had, like many areas, we have had to really step up our, what you would call internal communication. Like, what are we telling parents? What are we telling students? And it's everything from the different protocols that you want people to follow to also being transparent about, you know, where do we have outbreak? What are our cases? We have a dashboard at Michigan State where we show not just the number of positive cases in the community, but now we're showing our vaccine rates too Mm. because we do have exemptions for medical reasons we also have a religious exemption and if you're a student that's only taking all online classes and never coming to campus because you live in 
you know, Wichita, Kansas, yeah. then you can have an exemption from that mandate as well. So you can look on our website, though, and see the different categories. So as you look forward to the end of this year, the next calendar year, and, and school seasons that come and go and semesters, you sound optimistic about the hybrid learning that's taken place of how you can adapt as a university. What else are you looking forward to with optimism now? Outside of the fact that we come out of this thing. Right. You know. We all do. You're right. right. Uh, well, I, this has really been an energetic fall start for us. The students have been so thrilled to be back oh, awesome. on campus. We had our what we call Sparticipation, which is our big day of all the clubs, you know, having tables set up and student, new students can walk around and find something for them or yeah. find, find something they'd like to be a part of. And the energy at it was just so high. And there were definitely thousands more than normally go to that. Some of our early campus events have just been really highly attended, even if it's highly attended in kind of a spread out way mm -hmm, <laughs> to be safe. Mm -hmm. But you can just feel that they want to be in person and they want to be around their peers and, and have something to be engaged yeah. with. And that energy is contagious, too. I think we all want that. You know, So it's just a, a nice re-energizing way to say, OK, we can do this. Whatever the pandemic continues to throw at us, we're going to find a way to work around it. You know, it's great to even feel the energy that's coming from you. And I know you're a spokesperson, but it's real. But, I, you know, the only energy that I've been able to feel because I've not been near the campus is watching a game. And you can still feel it that way, you know. So, we're off to a great start with yeah. Spartan football right now. Yeah. We're very excited about the game with Nebraska. But some of our other teams, too, we have a new soccer coach, a new women's soccer coach, and he's had an outstanding start and over Labor Day weekend I think our collectively our teams cross-country volleyball soccer they went 14-0-1 wow. that weekend so yes with all our teams right now we're very excited and they're back to competing too you know yeah. again you just you see them getting to be a part of the sport that they love and their families get to come actually watch them sure. you know again and that's a big deal well Emily Garant from MSU it's good to see you Thank thanks you for, for sharing with me. us yeah and now, Chief Executive Officer of Detroit Parent Network, Jametta Lilly. It is good to see you. It's wonderful to be here, Chuck. Isn't it nice to be amongst people? And now we've got some sun, and it's lighting you perfectly, yeah, by the way. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I mean, this really is in incredible. So we've got a beautiful Michigan fall. Yeah. And as you may know, it is delightful to really look at people again, and, and of course, and all of us to laugh. So there's some people that we've developed a whole new relationship in Zoom. Right. I've never even met before. And so I've been kind of tickled how a couple of times people have come up and said, I, I thought you were taller than <laughs> <laughs> I lived that my whole life, you know. Oh, you're taller in person. Really? No, I don't no, know. I, right. It's, you know. it's hilarious, but yeah. it is good to be seen. Absolutely. Well, we talk a lot about the future of health and wellness mm -hmm. on our podcast, and focusing mm -hmm. on the future with children in mind mm -hmm. is so important because uh, we've all gone through and we're still going through a lot, but oh my gosh, the impact on families and kids is tremendous. You know, it's unprecedented. And I think we have to hit pause for a moment to realize this has been an extraordinary time, not only in our state, but the world. Mm -hmm. And so if people are feeling uncertain, unhinged, and feel like they've been out on some rough waters, it's true. But I think the pieces that all of us need to do is to breathe and believe that through COVID and post-COVID, that we've got to focus in on the things that help us be emotionally and spiritually and physically well so we can mm -hmm. endure and be resilient for the future that we want for all of our children. And to be fair, so many of those things are simple. <laughs> uh, we talk about the simpler life and, you know, having a porch and 
seeing people and sitting down with your kids or grandkids or your mom and dad. Or oh, grandma. those were the days, weren't but, they? But, you know, haven't we somehow, not that you want a pandemic to make that happen, have we been, not forced, but have we been encouraged that some of the simplicity of cooking together and looking for those opportunities is important again? And maybe putting down our electronic devices and uh. looking each other in the eye and having some conversations. Yeah, so I think in in the midst of all of the many challenges, whether it's the digital mm-hmm. divide, whether it's the health inequities that we've had to address, is that we've seen families literally be forced to, well, one, imagine when it's like suddenly you're working at home with your three or four or five children. Yeah. There may be another adult in the household and maybe you don't have good internet. It depends on where you are in this world. Sure. You know, so, I mean, reality is, is that we know the imbalances, the inequities, the structural racism, the difference between rural and urban areas sure. has just become glaring. But in the midst of that, you're so right, Chuck, we can still sit down and have a dinner together. Let's let's prepare it together. And and let's go ahead, parents, and, and talk about, well, how many ounces are in this and, and what color is that? So hopefully this is also stimulating yeah. people to think about some of the old-fashioned but wonderful ways that I can certainly say that I had the joy of growing up with parents and family and extended family that were focused on us kids and making sure that we got what we needed to be able to grow. And mm-hmm. I know I've lived through mm-hmm. this by listening. We have five kids, right? And mm-hmm. our son and daughter-in-law have two daughters, and they were both in different rooms on Zoom mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. while the two girls are going, well, one case school, and then right. maybe kind of preschool, and the two dogs and a cat. And a, <laughs> I mean, I looked at my wife at one point, and we're trying to offer you know some help offshore with care. And I said, right. I can't imagine how from a parent's standpoint, that kind of stuff has impacted a family. It, it, it has been really profound, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy to use my own organization. So one of the things we do with Detroit Parent Network, we educate, we equip, we empower parents as champions for their kids. But in order to do that, our whole approach is that we hire parents in as part of our staff and team. Ah. And in the midst of COVID, I realized very quickly, in order for us to transition from person and face-to-face, mm-hmm. we had to learn and bring up people to learn how to do Zoom, to ring central yeah and so for our parents that work for us you know we had to create hot points for them and train them on all these new tools while they were in homes and households and communities that didn't have access so i think that's been a real challenge but you know i can jump to another family that's quite different from the economics Mm -hmm. that some of my families were addressing my own daughter uh, who is a national project manager with twins at home having to kind of juggle that with her so you know what we found out in some ways the fact that our kids were at home that many of us Fortunately, we were blessed and didn't have to go to work like mm-hmm. too many folks in our community had to do essential work. Sure. But we suddenly found that we were at home with our kids and we had all these devices and we got to learn, we got to talk, we got to do telehealth. And it became like a great equalizer because we discovered this. And I kind of saw this in your look, too. It doesn't matter how many initials you have behind your name. Being a parent is tough stuff. And the kids don't come with directions. You know what? They still don't. Every single, every, (laughs) and if they did, guess what? You're going to get the one who just, you just might as well throw the book out, you know? So Can I phone a friend, call Jametta and say, what am I going to do now? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because that is one of the stories that some of our, even our board members have grown up to say, look, I had a kid and I didn't know where to go. And I heard Detroit Parent Network had this class. I took it. And now one of our favorite people, she said, I became the lead for the Obama campaign, but it was 
Detroit Parent Network and gave me those organizing skills wow. and helped me to figure out how to handle my children at the same time. So mm-hmm. this is tough stuff, but COVID has, I think, created opportunities. There's some silver linings in all of the static electricity mm. and profound grief and loss that many of us have had. Yeah. And so for our kids, we can't underestimate that impact. So look forward, mm. maybe do mm. it in bullet points, but mm. look forward for us. What are some of the tips from the parent network side of things? Can you give to all of us to encourage us how to navigate? I mean, we're going to head blink and we're past the holidays, right? Yeah, and we'll right. be into a new right. year. What can you give us for So tips? one of the things I would love to share, and I want to point uh, listeners to, we were involved in a Detroit Public TV and Michigan Learning Channel and our COVID-313 town hall. We did an hour and a half with Superintendent Rice. We did it with Dr. Cloud Doom. We had pediatricians. We had mental health. So go to the Detroit Public TV, Michigan Learning Channel. Okay. We've got awesome resources, no matter where you live in the state of Michigan, mm-hmm. about things you can do at home with your kid, resources you can get. So on the health issues, it's really important for every parent to be fully informed. Know what the vaccine and rules are at your school so you can be informed. This Delta variant, these dynamics are real. I mean, COVID remains real. So parents need to, one, obviously we're asking everybody to step up to take care of our kids and ourselves by getting the vaccine or following mask mandates. And if you're not sure what your district is doing, don't just ask your school. Go to the school district to get that information. Mm. The other thing is there's been lots of unfinished learning. And that's where I was saying the Michigan Learning Channel is a great resource to get information. But every school district, as a result of the phenomenal amount of money that has come into states all across the country like we know for example one-on-one tutoring is one of the best methods to help kids catch up and even the brightest kids got behind in many things so find out what are the educational strategies that are available to your kid and then make sure you get your child involved in that there is one other thing i think we got to be careful to do because as adults you know we're trying to show that we're tough and we can handle it we can be resilient You know, our kids emotionally are fragile from this whole experience. Mm -hmm. So find out from your school or find out other programs that are really giving children the opportunity to talk about their feelings, how to reconnect. I mean, there's kids who are like, wait a minute, for a whole year and a half, you told me I couldn't be around anybody. Sure. Now I'm in this classroom. So hit pause to talk to your child. Engage them in ways. Talk more, have a a stronger relationship than ever with your child's teacher so that you can partner on making sure your child is not only doing well academically, but that they are being wrapped up in a lot of love and a lot of support. And I think in doing that as a family, no matter what your family looks like, whether you're a foster Mm -hmm, family, mm -hmm. if you've got estranged relationships, bring that together because family essentially at the end of the day is the thing that helps us as human beings move forward and to thrive. So Mm -hmm. as extended family Mm -hmm. members, how can we all help support the parents network? What would you say for those of us kind of peeking in the windows on all the great stuff you've talked about? Oh, well, thank you. So one, check us out on Facebook, Detroit Parent Network, and our website. We tell everyone we would love for you to be part of the power of the network. I do want to share with you something that we are cooking up we think is exciting. At this policy conference we've got all the titans of industry education etc etc but guess whose voice is missing Hmm. 
the voice of parents. So there are parents, not only the Detroit Parent Network, but all throughout the state of Michigan who are actually working on policy, educational policy, economic policy, hmm. health equity. Yeah. So Blue Cross and Blue Shield, the work that you've done, um, it's, it's really phenomenal. I want to raise that up as a member of the Governor's Racial Disparities Task Force. As we talk about educational and health equity, parents are talking about that too. So what yeah. we are calling for with our partners is let's explore to create a session at this policy conference next year where parents who have been engaged in policy get to bring their voice to the table. And we really are excited so far because Skillman has said, yes, we're in. We know that our friends like Kellogg, yeah. uh, we've talked to our friends at the chamber, which I'm a part of that work. We've got to bring in parents to help be co-designers. So that's one of the things we'll say to anybody. If you're interested in helping co-design the solutions that our kids need, yeah. give us a call if you're interested in being a part of that. Or maybe you want to help us address issues like the third grade reading law. We work on that. Maybe you know that, Chuck, you and I, I went to all kind of programs on the weekends and after school. We got to have more out of school mm -hmm. time enrichment. So if folks are interested in that, we'd love to be able to partner with them. We're small but mighty because we walk what we talk when it comes to engaging parents and being a collaborator for change. Well, you know what I love about this mm -hmm. is that even the mm -hmm. people that are here without mm -hmm. that platform that's mm -hmm. hopefully coming next year, mm -hmm. how many of us are parents? So you're going to ring the bell for people who will say, oh, yeah, I can relate to that, but never thought of it. So yeah, what, yeah, what a yeah. great idea. And, and so we're here, we're parents, we're, we're grandparents. Yeah. Let's make sure that we get our voices as parents voting, talking, and helping to shape policy in the state of Michigan. Jametta Lilly, it's so good to have you with us. It was a joy being here. Thank, Thank you. you. And now, host of Detroit Today on WDET, Stephen Henderson. So we're joined by Stephen Henderson from Detroit Today, WDET, and uh, let's see, star of stage, screen, radio, blogging, <laughs> writing, uh, podcasting. I, it's hard Jack to keep track. Jack of many trades, <laughs> master of none. It's good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't you feel good having humans around you that you're close to here? I do. I, well, I, I'm a little of a split mind about it. I mean, I'm still a little apprehensive yeah. about how much we should be doing and how yeah. much is safe. And I have these little sort of voices in the back of my head that say too much too fast yeah, uh, yeah but but i will admit that coming up here and seeing all these faces that i have not seen in almost two years in, in mm -hmm. a lot of cases really was energizing i mean it, it's this bright light in the middle of all of this darkness so yeah I, like I said, it's a split mind kind of. There's issue. also I saw somebody post or tweet about it, and I think this is true. And of course, this is the year there was a honoring of Carl Levin. Yes, the notion of civility. Mm -hmm. And if there's ever a place that you find good morning, <laughs> hello, how are you? Nice to see you. Yes. You know, fist bumper shakes. Yes. The civility of coming to the island is something that I think kind of goes in the background most years. Yes. And this year it just felt like, isn't that nice that we're loving each other again? Right, you know? right. And uh, Sandy Brewer, the CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber, talked about that yeah. in his address, that that's why this was important. That's why it was key to do it this way this year. Uh, if you think of all of the ways in which we're being uncivil with each other mm -hmm. and the distance that the pandemic forces on us, the physical distance that it forces yeah. on us, saying to everyone, let's get together in a safe way up on Mackinac Island 18 months into this was a really huge signal that it does matter that we yeah. can get together and talk to each other. It does matter that we can 
disagree without fighting or arguing. Um, all those sort of key civil markers, I think, were on display this week. So I know we're, we're just like one table, two tables away from where you are. So mm -hmm. we had to make sure like Ghostbusters, our <laughs> podcasting streams don't That's cross right, and create right? some kind of trouble. But you've had varied guests, you know, they're coming and yeah. going. What's uh, Is there a way for you to offer a perspective with the varied guests you have of what the feeling, not just what we've talked about, but about Michigan in general, and we focus on health and wellness moving forward. What are mm -hmm. you getting a vibe about? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I mean, most of the people I talk to up here are, of course, politicians. Mm. Uh, so I talk to fewer people <laughs> here, <laughs> because most of them aren't here. Yeah. I, I did talk with the mayor. I did talk with the governor and the lieutenant governor. And I was struck by the optimism of all of their outlooks. I still think we have big problems and big troubles with the pandemic and its consequences. You think about this wild weather summer that we've had. Sure. You know about that. Yeah, it was happening this morning. Red <laughs> right. Cross was just here saying we're dispatching crews to southeast Michigan yes. for a disaster. What? Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and the damage to our infrastructure, the fact that people are now afraid that it will rain. I mean, that's a yeah. crazy idea. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Mayor Duggan was upbeat about the prospects for the city going forward. He believes that even though the pandemic is still really having an effect on the city of Detroit, that there are a lot of indicators that things are churning ahead, that business is coming back and that, uh, you know, he's got a lot of money to spend through yeah. the stimulus and that he can use that help people get back up on their feet after the pandemic. The governor uh, was really optimistic about this budget deal that unfolded while we were up here. Mm -hmm. I asked her about the fact that, you know, it leaves $5 billion unspent uh, at a time when we could be investing in things that have been underinvested for a long time. She even sort of seemed to hint that she thinks she can convince the legislature to do that, hmm. uh, which is yeah. interesting given that they weren't even up here this week to talk ab about right. it with her. So, yeah. So what about the notion of health and wellness? Is uh, I've got an undertone from the varied guests we've had that the word equity is thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, more it's like low fat, mm -hmm. right? It's one of those words that's used. And, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, what does it mean? And, how to, and so we can all interpret that differently. But from the guests that we've had, and I hope you're feeling the same, mm -hmm. that the notion of health and wellness efforts are really reaching people underserved to yeah. all different places, right? Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist talked a little with us about that and the dire need that has been on display during the pandemic in, in terms of who has access to healthcare, who has access to information about healthcare, yeah. and who doesn't. He feels like we're doing a better job than we were before. We're not perfect, mm -hmm. we haven't fixed it, but that there's progress and yeah. that, uh, that we are reaching toward equity if we are not quite uh, at that point. And haven't we hopefully, hopefully learned that, and I know this was more front loaded perhaps, that we were seeing people of color more disproportionately affected by COVID in mm -hmm. particular, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess in some ways, I hope I'm not misstating it, that those lines kind of flattened out started affecting everyone but when we see things as basic as hypertension and obesity and diabetes absolutely isn't it a health and wellness play to get people ahead of the game so that not that the next pandemic is going to get here but right. that we're just leading a healthier life in general so stuff doesn't get us yeah well it reminds of the need to be informed about your health right yeah what, what, go to the doctor right know what's going on yeah. inside your body so that you can be treated for it so that God forbid, 
something like the pandemic comes mm-hmm. along, uh, you are not caught unaware and uh, disproportionately affected by that disease. And that's, that is what happened in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. You have so many people with pre-existing conditions and pre-existing conditions that they didn't know about. And right. COVID was kind of a perfect attacker in that sense. It went after the people who yeah. were the most vulnerable. And you said something really interesting to kind of get ahead of it, meaning, you know, get your blood work done, go see a doctor, because how many of us know or don't know, even at right now at this table, when someone says, well, it got to them because they had an underlying condition. Mm-hmm. What if you don't know? Right. <laughs> I mean, right. I may not know. I have always said that I think that is one of the biggest problems in Detroit is mm. It's access to health care. It's that, and that's even among people who have insurance mm-hmm. and jobs. Mm-hmm. They don't take advantage of the opportunity to go see a doctor and find out yeah. what your medical status is. What makes you optimistic from not just what you're seeing, but what you're hearing? What are a couple nuggets if we dig into the Mackinac Island fudge ice cream and get the good parts? <laughs> what, what are you seeing here as we head a, a, into the next new year? Even? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I first of all think that the chamber deserves incredible credit oh, for yeah. pulling this off and for pulling it off on such a positive note, often when we leave Mackinac, I feel like we're, we're at each other's throats about whatever it was that was mm-hmm, the big mm-hmm. issue up here. I can remember in, I think, 2014 when we left, education was a huge part of that conference. And the bills that got passed at the end of the week were I mean, made so many people angry. And there was this bitter taste in, I think, everyone's mouth leaving the island. That's not happening this time. Yeah, uh, people yeah. are really optimistic about the chance to get together, the chance to work together, to talk about our problems face-to-face. And I think that's a huge win for uh, the chamber. So I'm optimistic about that. I am also optimistic about the budget deal, to be honest, in, mm-hmm. in Lansing. A, a lot of us were worried about uh, whether this would go right down to the wire, whether it would reflect the fact that the governor and the legislature can't get along at all and can't come to some agreement. Uh, They are very far apart on a number of issues. The fact that this got sewn up this week, I think, is a good sign for all of us. You know, I'm also optimistic about the city of Detroit. I think we took a hard hit during COVID, Mm -hmm. a very hard hit in many different ways, especially public health. But I think that we are poised to come back in a really strong way that will surprise some people. You know, Detroit's famously resilient and always gets back up off its knees to stand up again. But the conversations I had with business leaders in the city and government officials in the city left me with the idea that I think we really are going to rebound from this in a surprising way. So... You heard it here first. Okay, good. Well, Stephen Henderson, it's great to see you. It's great to see Thanks you Thanks for dropping well. by. Absolutely. Yeah, enjoy the rest of the conference. Uh, uh, we're not going to talk about the weather, Chuck. Well, no, because I don't have a green screen. So, you know, without that and makeup and pantyhose, that's tough for me to do. I will not tell you how young I was when I first saw you on television oh, talking about the weather. Funny. I grew up with you. Well, so. thanks. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, it's good to see you. Well, see, we'll get together every year now, maybe, and that'll be good. Right. We don't have that to wait to good. see each other on some TV screen. That's exactly Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And finally, owner of Lawan Consultancy, Tom Lawan. 
All right, so we're up at the uh, Mackinac Policy Conference, joined by Tom Lawan. Good to see you. Good to see you this morning, Jack. You inspire me because it, it sounds like you're going to keep retiring until you get it right. Yeah, Is that's that okay? Right. I've only retired three times now, so <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. So here you are. At, you get a rich history, but you're also a retired guy, by your own words, who continues to help the mayor and the city of Detroit, which is an awesome place to be. Right. I love it. I yeah. love doing that work, and I can do it from anywhere with thanks to Zoom. Yeah. I never heard the word Zoom until March of 2020, <laughs> and now I can't live without it. <laughs> but during your tenure in helping the city really more in a full-time role, you were also responsible for bringing in lots of great stuff. I mean, you brought in 15,000 new jobs by your hand and your help, billions of dollars in investment. I mean, when you look back, and of course, we're going back through COVID and then back a little ways yet, you're going to feel real good about that legacy. Well, it was great fun, and there was a phenomenal team of people that worked on it, including Nicole Sherrard Freeman, who has now got the job that I had. Okay. And of course, the mayor is an extraordinary leader. And I had some phenomenal deputies, Matt Walters, Basil Cherian, and David Williams, who were just. So the team, Kenyatta Bridges over at Detroit Economic Growth, an extraordinary team of people that all came together at the high point of Fiat Chrysler. We probably had 90 people working full time. Wow. And by full time, I mean 90 hours a week trying to get all the little details of the land assembly and everything else done. So it was a huge team effort. So with the land assembly, when you look for highlights for those flares of light that pop up, would that be one of the highlights? What other highlights would you point to during your time? The biggest accomplishment, I think, was solely the mayor at two o'clock in the morning and the final week of negotiations, as we insisted that Fiat Chrysler break the mold on how jobs were created for Detroiters mm. and interview Detroiters first if we could provide qualified candidates. And so they interviewed Detroiters first. Nicole Sherrard Freeman has done an amazing job of making sure we had a steady pipeline of Detroiters. And so Fiat Chrysler has filled their plant with Detroiters. So has that changed now during COVID or was that, you see that being a prescient move that you got that settled first and then here comes COVID, but those people with full-time jobs have to be grateful that they had something that there was some there there, right? Absolutely. And the mayor follows that pattern now on every deal he does. Mm. So every deal that's been done in the city of Detroit now has the same clause in it. And our workforce program is amazing and produces some really highly qualified, very motivated people to work. So as we're moving through and we hope out of COVID, how has that, uh, the momentum that you saw in all those highlights, how has that manifest during this time? You know, thanks to Zoom, quite honestly, and cell phones and everything else, I don't see a slowdown in that mm. momentum at all. It's a little bit harder to develop a relationship and rapport over Zoom. Much mm. better to do it in person, but people are finding ways to meet at the outside restaurant for a cup of coffee sure. or a beer, and they're managing to get it done. Nicole just uh, managed a huge deal through city council last week and did it all by remote. It's fabulous. And that's not easy to do. And that headline is not really a buried headline, but you don't realize that there is still movement within the economy and yes. just the world that's going on. While we hear the headlines that sometimes make it sound like health and wellness is really squashing things, there's still movement of things getting done. Huge number of things getting yeah. done in Detroit. The mayor wouldn't allow us to stand still on anything. Yeah. So we are moving forward. Becky knows that well. We are moving forward on a lot of fronts, and it's all exciting. And uh, he really has huge plans for the third term. He said to me uh, yesterday, if we don't do this or that, the third term's going to be even tougher. And I said, well, you're <laughs> assuming that we are going to be in the third term. And he just laughed and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So you are, uh, you're a man that's doing all kinds of things. So you technically could say you're retired, but yet you're a consultant and you paint. So yes. you've got a couple sides of your brain working. I do. And do you feel good about that? I mean, I you love feel it. relaxed? I love it. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, have a home here on Mackin Island. We spent the summer here and we have 11 grandkids. They all act like it's oh. their house. My wife says we run a bed and breakfast for yeah. our grandkids, but they come and go all summer. They have their COVID test first and it works out fine. So unlike some folks that retire and build it and they don't come, everybody is coming to your place, which is awesome. Well, it's it's fun. We jam a lot in. At age 75, I'm, I'm not ready to slow down yet. So. Well, that's great to hear. That gives me inspiration, too. I'm not that far behind, but when you look forward now, what's next for you? Do you have another goal or kind of where you are navigating in the world is good? Uh, I'm very comfortable with where I am right now. It's yeah. a good balance of things, and if I can keep that balance going... It'll be great fun. Well, Tom Lawan, it's great to see you. Thanks for Chuck all you've done always. for the city. Well, thank you, Chuck. Yeah. It's great to see you. and Have a great day. Yeah, be well. All right, thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like our show and you want to know more, check out ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast or leave us a review or rating on iTunes or Stitcher. To get new episodes on your smartphone or tablet, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.